0: Don't wait. Visit Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Sonobello.com slash save. Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment.
2: Welcome back to the X-Zone, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you live and around the world on the Talkstar Radio Network from our studios at the head offices and studios of Realmar Broadcast Network in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to give us a call, our toll-free number is 1-877-528-8255. Email xzone at talkstarradio.com. On MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at com. And our websites, XZoneRadio.com, XZoneTV.com, and ExzoneIPod.com. My guest this hour is John Kachuba, and he is the series editor of America's Haunted Road Trip series, the author of Ghost Hunting Ohio, Ghost Hunting, How to Write Funny, and the co-author with his wife, Dr. Mary Ann Newman, of Why Is This Job Killing Me? And John Kachuba, welcome back to the XZone. How are you, John? Hello, Rob. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Always uh, super having you on the show, and congratulations on the success of America's Haunted Road Trip.
3: Oh, yeah, well, thanks very much. It's, it's always great to be on your show. I've enjoyed it. You and I have spoken several times in the past. It's always been fun. Um, yeah. And yet, America's Haunted Road Trip is a brand-new series uh, just debuting now. The books are just literally getting into the bookstores as we're speaking. T- t- tell
2: me, John, why are ghosts so popular now?
3: You know, I, I guess I've been asked that question so many times, and I always keep thinking of different reasons, but I think primarily uh, one thing that I think that comes to me all the time is that when times are bad or when uh, you know, people are conflicted with what's going on in the world around them or world events, they look for other outlets. They look for sort of some maybe hope or inspiration for something uh-huh. better beyond them. And I think, you know, it could be just turning to religion like a lot of people do. But I also think that um, the, the quest for the paranormal, to understand what comes beyond, is also sort of that, that quest for something after, something greater, something better than ourselves. So I think that's part of it. Um, I think it's just a simple diversion as well. It's become very popular with TV and talk shows like yours and books and ghost groups and ghost conferences. Uh, going very widespread these days.
2: Do you think that, with all the television shows on ghost hauntings and uh, things that go bump in the night, that this is this is helping bring the public forward with stories that they would not have normally shared before?
3: I think so, Rob. I, I mean, I in my books, in my last uh, the books that I uh, wrote, "The Ghost Hunting Ohio," "Ghost uh-huh. Hunting Illinois," and "Ghost Hunters," I probably interviewed probably I'm guessing somewhere about 300 people. And often somebody would tell me a story and they would say, you know, I just I can't believe that I've told you that. I've never told that to anybody else before. And I think it is the fact that we're seeing it in the media, presented on television, and all the other forms that we just said. And so people are, are coming forward. You know, they're, um, they're opening up to others with their experiences. They're not afraid of talking about it. Uh, they're not afraid of being perceived as, you know, lunatics. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Like they may have been maybe, you know, 50 years ago or so. I would
2: even say 10 years ago. Yeah,
3: yeah, (laughs) you're probably right.
2: All right, John, please stand by. You and I have to take our first commercial break. We'll be back in two minutes. XO Nation, John Kachuba is my special guest. We're talking about America's Haunted Road Trip. And if you'd like to find out more about John Kachuba, his website is www.johnkachuba.com, and that is... J-O-H-N-K-A-C-H-U-B-A dot com. My name's Rob McConnell. This is The X-Zone, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard, Monday through Friday from 10 p.m. Eastern until 2 o'clock Eastern. And the show is repeated in its entirety from 2 a.m. until 6 a.m. here on the Talkstar Radio Network. If you'd like to send an email, exzone at talkstarradio.com, on MSN Messenger, Radio at hotmail.com, and our websites, xzoneradio.com, xzonetv.com, and xzoneipod.com. I'll be back on the other side of this break with John Kachuba as we continue from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, right here on Talkstar. do away.
3: Xone Apple iPod Touch, giving you the power to grow.
2: Exclusively to the Xone Nation at $275 while quantities last. Everybody gonna dance tonight. Everybody gonna feel alright. Everybody gonna dance around tonight. Xone iPod! <laughs> Here we grow again! John, what is the scariest thing that you've experienced in your ghost hunting career?
3: Well, a couple of things. I think probably the most recent one that comes to mind was something that happened to me in Florida, in Brooksville, Florida. Mm-hmm. Um, I was investigating a place called the May Springer House, which is an old Victorian mansion filled with all period antiques and furnishings. I was there with two other people, and we did an overnight investigation. Um, the ghost is supposed to be. The ghost of a little girl named Jessie, three and a half year old child who died in the house um, of some childhood diseases and that's all you know documented as historical fact. And she supposedly moves things around the house, and they lock up toys at night, and they'll find them in the next morning, scattered throughout the house, up and downstairs, and <laughs> all that kind of thing. Um, I was there with a few people, and basically the entire night, nothing happened. It was very quiet and uh, very calm, very peaceful, although eerily quiet. Uh, for an old house like that, there were no floors creaking, no you know, no roof creaking, nothing like that at all, which was very strange. Uh, it almost sounded like it was muffled, you know. Uh, we decided at about 3 o'clock in the morning that, well, probably nothing's going to happen anymore. It was I mean, Nothing's going to happen. It's very quiet tonight. Let's just leave. So we made a check of the perimeter, make sure everything was locked up and secure. And we started heading out through the back door, which is located in the kitchen. And as we walked through this kitchen, which had all, again, all kinds of sort of Victorian appliances there, I walked by a wood-burning stove. And on the stove is like a round metal, big iron disc with like a long, sort of like a ladle attached to it. And the idea is, you know, you would pull up the disc by this kind of ladle, and throw in wood and then, you know, cover it again. Well, the thing was laying totally across the top of the surface, and as I walked by, I noticed out of the corner of my eye, I I saw a movement, and I looked over, and and the ladle, just as I saw it, the ladle actually lifted up on its own and did a 180. It it actually lifted up, flipped over, and slammed down on that cast-iron stove, and it slammed down so hard that it actually popped off the uh, lid that I was connected to and fell on the floor, uh, and the other two people were right behind me. One was holding a flashlight, and the three of us all saw that happen. You know, and it it defies any kind of you know physical laws. Uh, it it couldn't have happened. So so tell, so
2: tell me, how long did it take you to leave the house after that?
3: <laughs> you know, we did leave right away. And the funny thing is, somebody asked me. Why, And, you know, I stop and think now and say, why did we? I mean, something had happened right then and there, right. oh, you know, you. but I guess we're human, you know, and I guess we said, okay, that's it, time to leave, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but the reality is maybe had we stayed a little bit longer, I mean, I don't know, if perhaps we could have made some other, uh, I don't want to say contact, but maybe something else could have happened or perhaps we could have recorded something, uh you know, and of course, as fate would have it, we were on our way out, which meant that our cameras were securely in our cases, locked up, uh, you know, tape recorders turned off, everything else. So all I have is my own and two eyewitness impressions, uh, but nothing documented. We It would be great if we had our video cam rolling or something and we were walking out, but uh, unfortunately we didn't.
2: John, have you ever made contact with a spirit?
3: Well, we, I, I did at a house in Ohio, in a farmhouse, uh, myself and a couple of investigators and a psychic. And the way it was done was uh, through a Ouija board. And I, I'm not a big fan of those. I, I really get uneasy when people use them. And myself and the other investigator didn't really want to do it, but the medium was sort of adamant about it. And we said, okay, well, we'll give it a shot. And through that, um, she contacted a woman who identified herself as Esther, and a woman who said that she died in that house in 1895, I believe was the year. And the, thing, the, odd, the odd thing was that about a month before, somebody had been at that house, actually this investigator, my fellow investigator, and her husband had been at the house. I was not there. And the husband happened to look up and saw what he described as a grandmotherly figure Standing in the doorway, and he describes her, you know, in, in a lot of detail. Um, later on, when we made this contact with the Ouija board, we asked this Esther if she was the person that uh, Frank, what's his name, had seen earlier, like the month before. And the Ouija board said yes, that that it was her. Uh, we also asked if she had children, and she and she didn't answer that one. Um, but oddly enough. There had been, well, according to the psychic, there had been children in that house before. That she said she moved on, as, as she likes to say, had them move on to the light. is her exact words. So, yeah, I mean that's that's one type of contact. Um, it's not as dramatic as more personal contacts where you, you know, obviously experience something firsthand without the aid of the Ouija board. But that was pretty odd. That was happening too. Yeah.
2: So, John, what are your possible theories uh, uh, that might explain ghosts? Then,
3: well, I think there's a couple of different things that could be happening. Um, I mean, of course, you know, the one thing is it could they could all really be in our minds. I mean, they really could be hallucinations that we conjure up, um, of course, unconsciously and not meaning to do so, but putting ourselves in a psychic state where well, we can do that. And I believe that's part of it, perhaps. Mm-hmm. I also think that there is a possibility that, um, you know, we're all creatures of energy and that we have some energy that, you know, perhaps uh, we have psychic energy that could possibly leave an imprint or leave an impression upon the environment that we're in. So maybe 50 years later, 100 years later, whatever, after we're gone, it could be that our, our psychic imprint, if you want to call that, almost like a fingerprint, is still there and that under the right circumstances, people who perhaps are sensitive to that kind of thing might witness us or, you know, see whatever that experience was. Um, so I think that's a possibility. Uh, another possibility, you know, I've been reading a lot about quantum physics lately, and well, that's amazing when you start getting into some of that. It I, sure I don't is. Pretend, <laughs> Yeah. I, I don't pretend to understand, you know, half of what I read, but it's interesting when you read about the concept of, Uh, parallel universes or alternate realities, uh, other dimensions. Uh, And it could possibly be that what we're calling ghosts might actually be sort of um, occasions in which, you know, another reality, our reality bumps up against another one or our dimension bumps up against another momentarily. And there's sort of a a connection there for a second or two where we're, we're startled to see them uh, they may be as startled to see us on their side. <laughs> you
2: know. Understandably, sure. Yeah. Um, what is America's Haunted Road Trip series? One of our listeners would like to know.
3: Oh, this is great. I'm, I'm excited about this. Um, it's, it's a new series of books coming out by Clarice Press in Cincinnati, Ohio. And what we're doing is I'm, I've been asked to be the editor for that series. What we're doing is we're coming out with individual uh, state books. So in September, Ghost Hunting Ohio and Ghost Hunting Illinois, which I wrote a few years back for a different publisher, are being reprinted and are, again, out in the stands. Um, Ghost Hunting New Jersey and Ghost Hunting Virginia are two new titles, so there's actually four coming out this year. And what I like about these books, Rob, is that they're they're written by people uh, who are either in the know, sort of, uh, the paranormal field, or mm-hmm. people who are sort of up and coming, for instance. The New Jersey book is authored by um, Laura Laddick, and I don't know if Laura's been on your show or not, but uh, she's the founder of New Jersey Ghost Hunters Society, and she's a pretty well-known person in the field. Uh, Ghost Hunting Virginia has been written by Mike Warhola, who is a new guy coming up in the paranormal field, but he's very interesting and doing some interesting things. Um, I've signed Rosemary Ellen Gu- Guiley, who you may know, yeah. uh, for uh, Ghost Hunting Pennsylvania for next year. Uh, I've also signed Patty Starr to do Ghost Hunting Kentucky for next year. So we're getting a, a, a lot of good writers you know, for this series, so I think it's going to be exciting. The other thing about it is that each one of the places in these books are places like I write about in that they're all open to the public. So we're calling it Road Trip because we are really encouraging people to go out and visit these places for themselves, uh, take a road trip, you know, take a haunted road trip and see it through the author's eyes and then find out for yourself what you may experience. So I think it's going to be a great series, and I'm, just, I'm very excited about it. Uh, we actually kick it off tomorrow in Lexington, Kentucky at uh, Scarefest. I'll be down there. And I'll be talking about the books. We'll have a table set up there, so that'll be sort of the... Uh, the kickoff for, uh, for
2: this series. one 877 528 is toll free. John Kachuba is our special guest. We're talking about America's Haunted Road Trip, and John is the series editor of America's Haunted Road Trip. And he is also the author of Ghost Hunting Ohio, Ghost Hunter, How to Write Funny, and the co-author with his wife, uh, Mary A. Newman, PhD, of Why Is This Job Killing Me? His website is www.johnkachuba.com. Uh, John, when it comes to so many different authors writing these books about, for example, Kentucky and uh, Pennsylvania and uh, New Jersey and wherever, how do you maintain quality?
3: I'm sorry, Rob, the last part got kind of cut off.
2: How, how do you maintain the, 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 the quality of the book and the quality of the content if you have so many different authors?
3: Oh, that, well, that's difficult. I mean, I, I do look for people who have something, you know, have some knowledge of the paranormal, but I'm also looking for people who are who are good writers. And I know Rosemary's work. Um, I knew Mike Warhola's work. Mm-hmm. Uh, Patty Starr so I, I am kind of looking for people like that uh, it's you know it's no different than being an editor for any other kind of book you know quality is um, maybe subjective in the sense that I'm the editor so I sort of determine what you know what the quality is um, hopefully I, I know what that is but uh, yeah you're right it's different because everybody has a different style and a different right. way of approaching things um, and we're trying to we have sort of, I don't want to say a template, because again, everybody is different, and I don't want to stifle their individual you know, creativity. Uh- Hi, I'm Flo from Progressive. Being a baseball
0: fanatic like me can be stressful. It's not all sports points and touchdowns. So Progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment. Instead of thinking about how they missed that goal point score, think about the Name Your Price tool from Progressive letting you choose coverage options based on your budget, unlike your team that missed the end zone net area.
3: My name is Michael Telstar, Canada's leading mentalist from Toronto, Ontario.
2: Hi, my name is Flunza, and you're listening to my dad, Ron McConnell, on the XM.
0: This is Psychic Dorothy from St. Catharines, and you're
3: listening to Rob McConnell. first time you touched me, I felt love, and after all this time,
2: you're still the one I love.
3: Mm, yeah. Looks like we made
2: it, look how far we've come. John Kachuba is our special guest. His website is www.johnkachuba.com. And uh, John, what kinds of people experience ghosts?
3: You know, Rob, all kinds of people. Um, I I had to say that when I started getting into this a few years ago, I probably had some preconceived ideas of the type of people that were seeing ghosts, uh-huh. and it probably wasn't very positive. Uh, but but I've Changed my viewpoint almost immediately once I got into it. I've interviewed people who, you know, I've interviewed police officers, I've interviewed nuns, I've interviewed, you know, truck drivers, uh, grocery store clerks, scholars. You know, it doesn't, you name it, doesn't matter. Um, All ages, all all uh, all genders. uh, Everybody has experience like this. But I, but I do think that there might be something to the idea of certain people maybe perhaps being more sensitive. You know, to the to that ability, let's say, to contact spirits or to see spirits. Uh, I think we may all have that ability to some some degree, uh, but it's kind of latent in most of us and unrecognized, and we don't know how to get at it or how to develop it. But I think uh, sometimes you can. John, how
2: did you get involved in the paranormal? What was the catalyst that 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 made you decide to? do what you do in the paranormal.
3: Well, I, I grew up in Connecticut, and I was very interested in history. Still am very interested in history. And a lot of times when you're studying history, you tend to learn some of the folklore kind of things about ghosts and all that. And and that I did learn in Connecticut, and it appealed to me in a big way. And I also had the occasion while living in Connecticut to actually live in the same town and to meet Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh-huh. Um, of course, you know, Ed has since passed away, but I'm sure your audience recognizes them as probably America's premier you know, ghost hunters. Um, and they early on uh, sort of got me interested in this because I had visited Dudley Town in Connecticut, which is a haunted, uh, old haunted town that's no longer just kind of a ghost town. But I went there actually for historical reasons. I was working on something totally different and had. Some pictures there that i thought were interesting and asked them to take a look at and long story short that's where it all happened they said well they saw some paranormal images in my photos and then i just became very interested at that point
2: how do you do your research
3: well, my research is all um, its all personal-based. Uh, I do a lot of reading on, on ghosts and what other people have read about, or have written mm-hmm. about ghosts and where they've written, but um, I don't write about any places that I don't actually go to myself. So I go to the place, and as I say, they're, all, they're usually places that are open to the public. I'll spend as much time as I can there interviewing people that work at the site, let's say, or visit it often or have some experiences there. But then I'll try to stay there. For instance, if it's a haunted hotel, um, I'll talk to all the you know, the wait staff in the restaurant and the uh, the housekeeping staff and the desk clerks and anybody I can get my hands on, the security people. Uh, and then I'll also say, all right, so what's the haunted room? And they'll say, well, number 10. I'll say, okay, well, put me up at number 10 tonight, you know. <laughs> and so that's what I'll do. And I'll just record whatever happens to me or my impressions and... Uh, you know inter- interweave that with the stories some other people have had experiences there has, the, has there ever been a time when you've
2: gone into let's say a room number 10 and nothing nothing happens and and if nothing does happen how do you weave that into your story
3: <laughs> well i i mean i've yes i've gone to some places where you know nothing happened and uh generally I don't write about places like that because, you know, if nothing really happens, it's nothing to write about. Um, on the other hand, if I do go to a place where where maybe I don't experience anything, but I get a number of stories uh, from people that, you know, are very very involved, sort of very complex, and also similar to each other, uh, sort of relating the same kinds of experiences, then I, then I'll write about it, but I will tell my reader that, you know, I, I didn't experience anything there, but here's what other people have said has happened to them and you know, you make up your own uh, I hope, you know, make up your own mind as to whether you think it was a ghostly experience or not. It, it, what, what, I'm,
2: what, I'm, what, I, what I'm seeing is that ghost writers, if you'll excuse the the term, put a lot of their own beliefs into what they write about that. Not only do they incorporate some of the facts, some of the history, but they also incorporate their own beliefs, their own uh, their own concepts. And and this is what I was getting to uh, to before when I was asking about how you're going to maintain the quality of 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 the series. For example, Patty Starr has one way of looking at the paranormal. The other authors that you've mentioned also have their own ways of looking at the paranormal. So how are you going to maintain consistency, reality, instead of letting it go into the fringe?
3: Right. Well, that's a good question. And, I, and I'm, you know, you say consistency, and, I, and I'm not sure, to be honest, that I even want the books to be consistent. Because my idea, in my last book, Ghost Hunters, I interviewed a lot of people, a lot of different paranormal investigators um, and I worked with a lot of different teams across America, and what I found out was that there is a wide range of beliefs in what a ghost is, you know, how they, what they do, why they do it, why they're here, whatever, how we see them, how we perceive them. There's also a wide range of ways for people to investigate. You know, some people are very technical oriented and use a lot of equipment. Others are psychics or mediums and just use their mind you know there's everything in between and so i'm i'm fascinated by the fact that there are so many different approaches to it so i don't really have a problem if somebody like uh, like patty Starr, for instance um, who has had ghostly experiences and she was probably a teenager and is well known as a psychic uh, or a mm-hmm. paranormal investigator you know i don't have a problem if she puts her particular spin on it because i don't really think there is any i don't really think there's any objective truth right now relative to the paranormal i mean i think we're all out there still looking for answers man. i think
2: there's a lot of people all out there you know going for the almighty buck
3: well that's true
2: you know that's there's true. a lot of scam artists out there there are a lot of people who use their imagination uh, you know in order to fill their pockets
3: there's no doubt about that and you know i don't know to be, to be honest i don't know how you sort them out um, in my experience as I've been writing these books uh, every so often and, and luckily it has not happened that often but once in a while I will get somebody who tells me a particular ghost story or something and then you know I'll go back to them later on and, and the, the details start changing uh, they become unreliable and then I'm thinking okay here's somebody who wants to get their story in a book you know for whatever reason um, and, I, and I can't rely on them and so I don't use that story because I can't I can't rely on it. But on the other hand, you know, is it possible that somebody could tell me a real great story or something and, and say it dead seriously and and be lying about it or you're conning me? Yeah, sure. I mean, it's it's possible. <laughs> I, I really try to rule that out, you know, but um, you're exactly right. There are certainly people out there that, uh, that are out to make a buck and are less than reliable. I'm hoping to use people that that I know something about the reputation and that you know come to me sort of highly let's say qualified and recommended
2: all right how do you how would you you know like you say highly qualified
3: explain yeah. that well I, I think what that means in this field um, is probably just a lot of experience. Uh, a lot of experience and and maybe a credible way of operating in the sense that they do things sort of by, well, there is no book. (laughs) I'd say by the book, but there really isn't a book to go by. But uh, they do things in a way that I think are objective, that I think um, allow for possibilities of natural occurrences, natural explanations, rational explanations, you know, before jumping off the bridge and saying it was a ghost. Um, so I, i'm kind of looking for those those folks because to me that that indicates some credibility yes but, yes
2: but you just said yourself that if nothing happens it's not going to be in the book so what happens if these people continuously and i'm sure they won't because they want to get the money from the book and they want to get part of the proceeds as well so they're not going to give you stories where nothing happens but so how are you going to gauge the, the validity and the, the actuality of these events happening? And how can you not say, well, all right, we don't know if this is true, we don't know if it's made up, but what the hell, it makes a good story and people are going to buy it.
3: <laughs> well, you know, I mean, those are all good points. And, and all, I, all I can say is I'm, I'm trying to find writers who I know something about, who I, I feel that I can trust to be credible uh, it's tough. I know that I was work- when I was working with uh, Mike Orhola in Virginia for Ghost Hunting Virginia. Uh, he frequently had places that he said, "Oh, this is a great place. You know, it was built in 1723, and you know George Washington was there, and you know, all these people." in the Civil War came to battles in the front yard, and he'll say, "But I can't find anything haunted about it, but it must be haunted." You know, it's just, it's so, it seems so ripe for a haunting, but there wasn't anything attached to it. And so he was always disappointed. And, and we had used those places, and he had several. Um, but I think what happens is, on the other hand, you have somebody like Laura Laddick, who wrote Ghost Hunting New Jersey. You know, Laura's been doing this for years and years and years, and, I mean, she's out almost on a daily, on a daily basis doing an investigation someplace in New Jersey and beyond. So with all that... She probably has enough material, enough credible material, that we can, you know, get a book out of it. In fact, we did. All
2: right, I've uh, got to ask you at this point why do you call them investigations when people who go out ghost hunting are not investigators? They do not follow a, pr- a protocol of investigation techniques. They're at the very best
3: hobbyists. Well, I don't know. I mean, that's the, sort of the. Common term that's being used, but it's a misnomer and it misleads the public. Well, I don't know. I mean, does it really? If there, I mean, how would you define an investigation? Now, I'm well, first, figuring...
2: first of all, you know, let's ta- let's let's look at law enforcement. You do not uh-huh. become an investigator right off the bat. Even though you right. investigate a crime, you are not an investigator because it is a specialized skill that takes training. Classes. Uh, it's just not something that's bestowed on you. It seems that every Tom, Dick, and Harry who becomes one of the researchers of the woo woo crowd out there calls themselves investigators. And, and I think that this misleads the public into what the qualifications are of this person, which normally mean they are not qualified. And in any other field where there are legitimate standards in place, they would not be called researchers or, or investigators. They would be called hobbyists. And I think that by calling somebody who, who has never taken an investigation course in their life or has no concept on what a real investigation procedure is, and calling them investigators of the paranormal, it, it's, it's a farce. It's misleading.
3: The problem with the whole idea of investigators, I mean you do have your finger on something here, which is that there you're right, exactly right, that there is no sort of
2: There's uh, no legitimacy.
3: Well there, there's no there's like no authority or higher you know, let will say a hierarchy or agency that says, Okay, if you pass these tests or you know, this kind of knowledge or you've had this experience, then you are an investigator or right. There isn't anything like that. And oh there yes are,
2: there is. Oh yes there is. I beg to differ. There are universities out there that offer parapsychology courses. You look at Lloyd Auerbach. He has a Ph.D. in parapsychology. He is a real investigator.
3: Oh, right. No, that's right. I mean, there certainly are college courses. But I it's... mean, I'm aware of that. But I'm talking about, you know, what you're talking about, sort of the run the mill where everybody says they're an investigator. And it's a term that... I mean, you're probably right that I do use that casually. Not just
2: you, John. Not just you. It's, it's, used, it's misused in the UFO field. It's misused in every aspect of the paranormal because it is such... The paranormal is a little niche where if you don't fit into any other aspect of society, you can fit into the paranormal. <laughs> and, you know, if, if you want to say, if you've got a vivid imagination, you fit in even better. And if you know how to write with a vivid in- imagination, you can make money at it.
3: Well, yeah, I, I suppose that's possible. Um, I I just think that, I mean, I, I know that in my experience, there are people who, who take it very seriously and who do follow protocols and procedures that, you know, they consider to be something, I don't want to say that they're exactly like I said, the police would use, but you know, taking statements from people and all this kind of stuff and and mapping out rooms and trying to really do a thorough job in and i'll call that an investigation john i've got to, to take a
2: court. commercial break please stand by my name is rob mcconnell this is the x-zone and we're coming to you live and around the world on the talk star radio network from our studios in hamilton ontario canada don't go away we'll be back right after this commercial said
0: hi i'm flo from progressive being a baseball fanatic like me can be stressful it's not all sports points and touchdowns so progressive is going to help you take your mind off your team for a moment
2: Away and talk about their homes. And there's a girl in this harbor town. And she works laying whiskey down. They say, Brandy, fetch another round. She serves them whiskey and wine. They'll say, they say, Brandy, you're a John, does belief in ghosts coincide or conflict with traditional religious beliefs?
3: I have two different opinions on that. Um, and actually, I, I'll just relate a quick story. Is that sure. I was at a book signing once at a library, and uh, afterwards somebody came up to me and said that they were a Christian. They said they're a very strong Christian, and so they could not possibly believe in ghosts because that was the work of the devil. They'd have nothing to do with it. That person leaves, another person comes up to me and says almost verbatim, you know, almost the same thing, I'm a very strict Christian, and of course I believe in ghosts because I believe in, a, in an eternal soul and an sure. afterlife, and that's what a ghost is, something that's just trapped, you know, between here and wherever we go. So I, I don't really think it conflicts. I mean, I think some people uh, do feel that it, that it does, that it has sort of this voodoo aspect, but a, a lot of cultures around the world, many cultures around the world, um, in their religious beliefs, have a belief in an eternal soul in the spirit world. Um, call it ghost, call it spirit, you know, whatever you want. I mean, I think it's yeah. I think it, I think it fits into religion personally. Mostly.
2: I can understand how the rematerialization of human stral structure may happen, and this is what people are seeing. Whether it is in their mind's eye or in physi or or or. Excuse me, I am getting a bad echo back here. Can uh, somebody yeah. at master control do something about it, please? Um I'm sorry about that, John. Okay. I I I'm, I'm I'm hearing myself seconds after and it's it's rather confusing. Right. Um it, it, you know like I can understand how when people see the the ghost of uh Aunt Mame or Uncle Harold, that's one thing, but how do you know how do uh, where did the clothing? Where does the clothing come in that they're wearing? And how come we've never heard stories of people seeing the ghosts of dinosaurs, for example?
3: Yeah, I, you know, <laughs> that's a question I've been asked many times, and I don't have an answer for it. This, but this may go back to the theory, Rob, that I was talking before in terms of what ghosts might be. Uh-huh. If, if, in if in fact they might be um, hallucinatory or um, a product of our own sort of psychic energies then we wouldn't see dinosaurs necessarily because we would have no connection to them mm-hmm. but you might very well see your aunt, aunt Mame or somebody because you know you remember the center for perfume or something or something triggers something in our brain that calls up that recollection and for whatever reason we see it as a materialization whether that materialization is real or not is another question um, and in Ghost Hunters, I talked to uh, Dr. Andrew Nichols down in Florida, who is a psychologist with a strong, uh, strong interest in the parapsychology aspect. Uh, and he, was, you know, he had those same sort of theories about what ghosts might be. Um, they may very well be something that we're creating ourselves. Um, on the other hand, in Buddhist philosophy, you have the idea of the tulpa, which is something that you can actually physically create uh-huh. From your mind, <laughs> you know. So what hey, we John, go with
2: Hey John, I, I I hate to do this, buddy, but we're out of time for tonight. I do want to thank you very much, and I wish you all the very best uh, success in the world on your new project, and uh, keep us in the loop on what's going on, will you?
3: Thanks, Rob. It's always a pleasure to talk to you, and I certainly will keep you in the loop. Take care, John. Be good I take care. All regards
2: right. to your wife. Bye bye now. When we come back from the news at the top of the hour at six and a half minutes past, I'll be speaking to Stephen Eulish. Uh, we're going to be talking about UFOs, fallen angels, and
4: much more as we
2: continue.
1: Progressive presents Forest Metaphors,
4: about bundling your home and auto.